What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Tailgate Till May, your place for year-round college sports talk. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. Today, I'm joined by my friends, Ben Crowley and Brian Kaufman. We're back today to give all of our best bets for the college football season again. We had a little appetizer. Eh, appetizer is maybe not even the right word. Let's call it the bread basket, if you will. We had the bread basket to the season in week zero. I, I hesitate to call it an appetizer, but the main course is ahead. We have week one coming up, kicking off with a huge matchup of the Florida Gators going out of the state for the first time since what feels like a century to take on the Utah Utes on Thursday night. What a opener on Thursday night. And before we get there, we are going to give you all of our best future bets. We've been talking about it all off season in our preview episodes, but now it's time to put our money where our mouths are and lay out our absolute best future bets of the 2023 college football season. Brian, are you ready? I'm ready, man. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's felt at times throughout preview season like I was scrounging to fill out four or five bets for every conference. Tonight, it is the best of the best across the board, and I'm thrilled to focus on ones that I really believe in. And hopefully, Ben, I can get you on my side. What do you think? Uh, Probably not, because I've just, on a few of mine, gotten even more dug in after just a preview uh, see so if you put it correctly as a bread basket, cause I would not pay for that appetizer whatsoever, what we got over the weekend, but I did enjoy parts of it, which I do with some bread, you know, olive oil, butter. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, big thoughts that are going to impact my future bets and just really got me dug in. So, you know, just that kind of better emotional and I love it. Well, you might not have paid for that breadbasket, Ben, but uh, it seems like it sure did influence some of your best bets, which we'll get to here in just a moment. Somebody got a little bit high on the Notre Dame supply after that big week zero win in Dublin. So how we're going to do this thing tonight is we're going to go through a uh, a bunch of different categories here. We're going to give you our best win total, season win total bets our best bets for either division or conference titles, our best bets for on the CFP or the national title. And then the last category here is going to be player odds. So whether that's Heisman, season stat props, other awards. I saw some Maxwell odds, Bolitnikoff odds out there on FanDuel. I don't know if anybody's choosing any of those. Probably stick with the Heisman, but the world's our oyster there, boys. We can go anywhere in the player prop world. We're going to give you one best bet from each of us for each of those categories, and then we're going to talk about a couple other bets that we like as well. But at the end of the day, we are going to tell you the one bet that we would play in each of those categories. So let's get right into it, and Brian, we'll start with you. For your regular season win total bet, what is your best bet? All right, my best bet is actually one that I am legally not allowed to place where I am currently sitting. I am in the Commonwealth of Virginia, 
and you are not allowed to bet on Virginia teams. It is not the Cavaliers, though, although I think they will struggle, that I'm going with here. My best win total bet this year is Virginia Tech under five and a half wins. I talked about this in our ACC preview show when we talked about best bets. At the end of last year, this is a bottom 10 offense in all of college football that you're talking about. Did they go out and add some things in the portal? Yes, they did. Does the future start to look bright? You can see it down the road two, three years with the way Brent Pry's recruiting. I would agree with that too. But I'm not sure that what they did for this year, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, is enough to even get them in the top 100. So I think it's kind of what happens in football, right? If your offense can't sustain drives, your defense starts to falter, that ends in losses. It's not your typical Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech defense, uh, I think they're going to start to struggle. And so I think they're going to score to struggle to score points um, and and have a tough time getting there. You look at the schedule, guys, and you know that the first four are really interesting for a team that's sort of like trying to become re-relevant, if you will, right? Old Dominion, those games are always really interesting in the season opener. Then you got Purdue and Rutgers in a couple of non-con games against the Big Ten and on the road at Marshall, which is never easy. Uh, that's going to be tough. Um, so Virginia Tech, man, I, and then you go into the ACC. I, I can't find, you know, four, three, four wins in the ACC. So Virginia Tech under five and a half. I'm feeling extremely confident about it. Ben, Steven, whoever wants to jump in, what do you think about it? I will say I agree with it, but I also don't like it because I can't also play it because of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So. Those are my thoughts. Maryland, right next door, Ben. You could drive. Both of you guys could drive right on yeah, over. Cross state lines. Yeah. I did it for many a week when Virginia had it and Maryland did not have legal sports gambling yet. But, Brian, I think you nailed it talking about those first four non-conference games. I think you're going to know within the first four weeks of the season whether this bet is a winner or a loser. Because if they're if they're one in three, which is – very possible really feasible yeah i mean i think that's a you're gonna know that's a that's a winner right now because then when they start the acc they have Pitt, florida state wake forest to start the acc slate um i I think those non-conference games are going to determine it why virginia tech would ever go on the road to marshall is beyond me dude that place is going to be lit up isn't it marshall is such a tough place to play and they're it, I mean, this is as classic as it gets with it. Like the casual fan will think this is an upset when Marshall wins. And it is absolutely not an upset in 2023. Marshall might be favored in that game. True. There's a non-zero right. chance that Marshall is favored, depending how things shake out the first couple of weeks of the season here. Uh, Note on Virginia Tech recently named Grant Wells the starting quarterback. He won the quarterback battle over Kyron Drones. There was a competition. Grant Wells was the quarterback uh, for the Hokies last season. And he's a guy that he, to just put it bluntly, struggled with turnovers. Nine touchdowns to nine interceptions last season. That's something he's got to figure out. I think they are going to play a little bit of Kyron Jones as well. They'll have some sort of running packages for him, get him involved, and they might not hesitate to to make a switch if things don't go better for Wells. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for. I know last year, one of the bets I really liked was Georgia Tech under win total and they end up firing their coach and go over the win total and so you're just when, when you do these regular season win bets you're looking like what can change and go wrong during the season to change the perception 
that might be something to look out for if you're on the other side of it is, okay, if they go away from Grant Wells and go to Kyron Jones at some point, does that jumpstart the offense and maybe take what looked like a sure winner on the under into that over territory? But overall, I think it's hard to argue with that pick, Brian. Uh, Ben, where are you going for your best bet? Uh, So I am going out to the Midwest. I'm going with Iowa over eight and a half. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on the Hawkeyes this year. Rock Hawk Nation, uh, as some like to say. So I just think, you know, they had great defense last year. The schedule's pretty weak. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, the non-conference, obviously they have Iowa State, who's a little bit of shambles right now, a little betting controversy thing going on over there. But, I mean, they can easily start 3-0. Yes, they go at Penn State, but then you have, you know, Michigan State at home, Purdue at home. Those should still be winnable games. At Wisconsin, probably a loss. But then everything else, I think they can win. So give me a 10-2 season. Don't even need that, though. Um, we only need nine here for this bet at the 8.5, and, and it's at even odds, which is nice. You know, I went through with all these bets that I would made previously, and, it was tough to pick the ones that are like minus 170, minus 150, because you're just not getting a good return on value there. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Tory Taylor, you know, potentially the best punter in the country this year. So that's always going to help. You know, their defense and special teams alone can win them games. And then you get Cade McNamara up there. Brian Ferenc has to work on getting 25 points a game. They get 25 points a game. This team is definitely going 10 2. So. We've, we've been over this. We went over this a couple episodes ago on the Big Ten episode. Ferentz. Brian Ferentz, Ben. Ferentz. Not Ferentz. I know you Ferentz. want him to be French, but he's but he, he is he's not French. Ferentz. Well, he might be. They might be French, but uh, oh, the name so... is not pronounced Ferentz, Ben. Oh, just the American just, you know, dumbed it down over there. That's an interesting bet, man. I, I, I think that the it, the end of this season is an interesting portion of their schedule because their last four are Northwestern at Wrigley Field, Rutgers at home, Easy. Illinois at home on senior day, and Easy. at Nebraska. The, it, those are interesting, you know, you're whereas Stephen hinted and alluded at that Virginia Tech, you might have a really good idea early on. Like I think Iowa set probably set a, set up to need to go three and one in those four games to, to hit that bet, um, but that I mean, it's interesting. Iowa is one of the most interesting teams in the country this year for me. Not uh, just as far as like the offense was literally the the butt of the joke in college football, and they brought in a new quarterback, they brought in a few weapons, and like what is Iowa actually going to look like on the offensive side of the ball is so interesting. So you know, it, it takes some cojones to go over on a team that. Didn't score 25 points a game, but kudos to you, Ben. You, you've never been scared off of a bet before. Hey, what did they go with that terrible offense? Still not that bad. I do find it interesting, Ben. A couple weeks ago when we did our Big Ten preview, you were talking about how Brian Ferentz is not was not going to change anything with the offense and you were making a big you're making a big deal about those comments he made about you know not doing anything different than what they've done before what, what makes you think that the offense will be improved enough to reach nine wins is it just Cade McNamara coming in I think he just elevates them slightly from not doing anything because obviously you're not going to see new schemes or anything like that from uh, Mr. Ferentz Ferentz um but I think he just elevates them from the Spencer Petrus era that we dealt with over the last couple of years. So 
I mean, their defense is still going to be really good. I mean, you look at some of the wins they had last year where they lost because they scored nine points, but they held the other teams like 16 points. Um, Iowa State last year, seven to 10 loss. You look at Illinois, six to nine. You look at even, you know, Iowa State, uh, no, excuse me, uh, Michigan, they held to 27. So they could, some of those wins, or some of those losses that they had last year turned to wins with one more touchdown. So that's kind of my thought process there is I think the defense is still going to be really, really good because that's what you know, data forense does. So I'm trusting that, you know, McNamara just elevates them just that enough to get them to that you know higher level of winning. The number one defense per Bill Connolly in SP plus to start the season this year. So if they have the number one defense in the country, it might be enough. It is Brian. I think you're right. I think they're going to be one of the most intriguing teams to watch in the whole country this season. My best bet when it comes to regular season win totals is Tulsa under four and a half wins. This is a bet that Ben and I just talked about on our group of five preview last week. And it really comes down to a couple, a couple simple things for me here. So first off, they have the worst net TARP, which is transfer and returning production. And that's a metric I've been referencing all offseason from the Action Network. It's a it's a really useful metric in understanding what kind of talent you have coming back, either through players just returning from your roster or via the transfer portal or what you lost via the transfer portal. They are tied for the worst net TARP in the country. So that is not a good start. Second, they are going through a coaching change this season. They hired Kevin Wilson. He is the former Indiana head coach who was who parted ways with Indiana. And when they parted ways, there were alleged concerns over how he handled players. Ben and I talked about this last week. Why would you hire somebody with that background in 2023? Doesn't seem like a good recipe to, for success, in my opinion. Then you add on top of that, they didn't hire a defensive coordinator until May. Uh, That's bizarre. And then you finish it off with an absolutely brutal schedule. In the non-conference, they have Oklahoma, Washington, and they go on the road to Northern Illinois. In conference, they have to play SMU on the road and Tulane on the road. Uh, It's just a really tough schedule. I feel like they're, I feel like with this coaching change, something I'm really looking out for this year is how do teams play hard for their first year head coach all the way through? Because it's something that we're seeing, you know, first-year head coaches come in, the roster does turn over, but there's still a lot of roster turnover at the end of that first season, too, when guys figure out, do they like playing for this new head coach? Do they still want to be at this school? So I'm eyeing the potential that some of these Tulsa players might figure out at some point as this season's going south, they maybe don't want to be there. And I think there's some quit potential for Tulsa this season. Give me Tulsa under four and a half wins as my best bet here. Real deep dive, not only into the stats, but the inner workings of the locker room. I like it. It is an interesting coaching hire, man, uh, to be honest. Just like, you know, we don't have to get too much into that. But, like, you, you're you trying to bring some excitement back to your football program. That's I don't know that that's the move. Uh, I mean, it's he didn't have a super successful tenure anyway. And so it, it, it's, it's interesting. He, uh, he kind of had an opportunity to redeem himself at Ohio State for a bit. And I, I guess, you know, those guys, if they go – if their next job is as coordinators, they get – 
new opportunities. But to me, if you're Tulsa, interesting direction to go. I think you nailed it. I, I think this is a this is a slam dunk. Yeah, he spent five years at Ohio State as the offensive coordinator, I guess, rehabbing his career, rehabbing his image. Haven't ever seen... Ben and I talked a lot about this last week. It was a very vague departure for Kevin Wilson in Indiana. There was never a lot of details about... Yeah, there was never a lot of details. Right, that was the term Indiana's athletic director used. There was never a lot of details about exactly what happened, but it, it didn't seem like the greatest of situations and uh, given the schedule, given the lack of hiring a defensive coordinator till May, uh, given all that they lost as far as returning production from a program that really wasn't bad. They were never great, but they were never bad. Uh, I I think this is a recipe for a, a big time under here. Okay. Let's hit a few quick hitters here, guys, as far as other win total bets, just a couple other win total bets. We're liking. I'll start here. Mississippi State under six and a half was a bet that I got in. I uh, what did I get the what odds did I get it at Uh, minus one twenty two back in July? Unfortunately, now it's minus one seventy at six and a half, or you can get under six at plus one ten on Caesars. If I was going to play it right now, I'd play it at under six on Caesars at that plus one ten. If I could still get it at minus one twenty two, that would have been my best bet because I'm more convinced than ever that Mississippi State in this transition year to Zach Arnett, where they're going to totally go away from the air raid offense is going to be in for a disaster. I heard an interview last week where they said Mississippi State in the spring did not have a single tight end on their roster who had played tight end throughout their career. They have a couple transfers coming in now that are in on the team where they're for fall camp, but all of spring, they only had guys who were converting to tight end who were able to play tight end. That doesn't seem like a good recipe when you're trying to go to a more run-heavy offense where you're going to be utilizing your tight ends. I think the the transition, especially in the brutal SEC West, is just a lot to ask for, and I don't think it happens overnight, and that's why I'm going with the under 6.5 there. The other bet that I really like is NC State over six and a half wins. Uh, it's one I love. I, I love the reunion of Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I, the offensive coordinator and quarterback. They were together at Virginia a couple years ago. They had great success. There's never been a question about NC State's defense. They always find a way to field a competitive D. It's always been about the offense, and I think they found the right match here. I'm also going to be looking at them to take down Notre Dame at home in a couple weeks. Those are the other bets that I'm really liking here, guys. Any Any thoughts? Yeah, I like them. I, I'm with you on both of those. Mississippi State, when we did our SEC preview, I was in on that too. I really, really like that one. Another SEC one that I'm looking at is Auburn under six and a half. I think that as far as a quick hitter goes, that one is essentially to me, the talent at Auburn does not match what you'd expect the talent at Auburn to be right now. And I think people are getting excited because Peyton Thorne is a name that they know, and he's going to come in and get the starting quarterback job. And I just, and I'm, you know, most of what you see as far as positive outlook this season for Auburn's team is we know Hugh Freeze helps his teams overachieve. We know that Hugh Freeze has been a successful SEC coach before. And this is not a take on what Hugh Freeze's tenure at Auburn will look like when all is said and done. I just think that it's not set up for him to have a massively successful year one. 
The other one I really like is Louisville under eight and a half. I'm not sure why that number is what it is, to be honest. I think we're just looking for ACC teams to get hyped about that aren't Clemson and Florida State. I I, I don't know what you see there. Um, I, I think there's a chance they go to Atlanta and lose on Friday night. I, I really do. They're playing Georgia Tech in the opener. I, that That's a trap. I mean, listen, I'm just saying I don't know. Haynes King got the starting job. It's my boy from Texas A&M. We'll see. But even if they win that one, I mean, you look at their ACC schedule, they've, they've obviously got Notre Dame on there as well. Um, it's not easy. And there's some brutal stretches in there, ending with Kentucky. Um, I've got Louisville going under, Ben. Nice. I mean, I, uh, I'm i with you there. I can see all that happening. So I uh, retract my earlier statement where I didn't think I would agree with on any of your bets. So uh, congratulations on proving me wrong. Um I'll stay in the Big Ten because I'm Big Ten. You know, I like to go to the big men for mine. Yeah, don't give me that look. What's that look about? Yeah, for my bets. Uh, because I didn't pick a team in the Big Ten. Is oh, I no, no. I'm sticking with my I, best bet, which is Iowa. Got it, got it, uh, got it, got it. I'm going Minnesota under seven and a half. Um, I think they're going to really struggle this year having a kind of brand new offense in the sense of they don't have Mohamed Ibrahim. Ibrahim? anymore and they lost three offensive linemen who were pretty darn good so now they're gonna have to kind of learn how to live without the man who feels like got 45 50 carries every game and just help them dominate the game of or time possession um and their schedule is brutal i mean they get michigan ohio state and then i want to say they get wisconsin too obviously uh like they just get Ohio State and Michigan from the East, which is the tough part. So getting seven and a half wins on that schedule is just, you know, I really don't see it happening with that kind of transition. And then the other one is Nebraska under six and a half. I think long-term great hire for Ruley. Um, but uh, first year, I don't see it happening. And uh, same thing, you know, I think they're going to get beat up on the big boys of the big 10. Uh, so give me under six and a half for those Nebraska guys too. And then, of course, my favorite one uh, that I have recently, which I know one of you guys do disagree with very much, uh, I'm going to go Florida Atlantic under seven and a half wins. I know our nice host there is very big on them. You know, they've got a brand new fancy coach who's been at Power 5 schools before, you know, gets a quarterback who would, I believe he recruited at one point at that big school. But I think they just have a tough schedule. Um they go at Clemson, they go at Illinois. I think there's just, you know, too many toss-up games. I just don't see them pulling it out to get to that eight-win total. They do uh, face Tulane and UTSA in that crazy 14-team blob of a schedule that is the American Athletic Conference. So I just can't see them getting to eight wins. I think they, you know, seven's very much in the cards. I just don't see them getting to that eighth win. So, Stephen, you want to you wanna rebut me? Brian, have you ever heard a podcaster speak a whole sentence without knowing the name of the player or coach, but work around it so seamlessly? He's amazing. He's ben skilled. did a, a fantastic job there, failing to name Tom Her- Herman or Casey Thompson. That's the coach and the quarterback <laughs> that he was referring to. And that big fancy school was Texas. So uh, yes. Ben flawlessly worked around all that, but... I'm going to name them because I think it matters. Tom Herman, really good coach in the G5. He did a fantastic job at Houston. As a coordinator, he had nothing but success. I talked about it last week, but he was the offensive coordinator in Ohio State's upset win over Alabama in the first ever college ball playoff that then Nick Saban was 
so impressed slash mad about that he had to go in and find out everything he could about that offense. Uh, I I don't disagree. I disagree with Ben here. I really actually would, if I was going to do any bet on FAU, it would be FAU plus 650 to win the league. So I think there could be a little bit of first year magic there between Tom Herman. And I thought Casey Thompson was actually really impressive last season at Nebraska in a tough situation, Brian. Yeah, Ben, I want to react to one other uh, of your picks. Minnesota under, I I like it. So we're going to end on a positive note here. I like it because you mentioned that they are going to have a different looking offense because of Mo Ibrahim. uh, But they're actually also going to have a different looking offense because Kirk Scirocco left and became the offensive coordinator at Rutgers. And the last time that Kirk Scirocco left Minnesota to take an offensive coordinator job at Penn State – He struggled there, sure, but also Minnesota struggled immediately after. Now, the difference this time is that Fleck promoted internally this time. So Matt Simon's been his wide receivers coach, dating back to his Western Michigan days. Um, And he's co-offensive coordinator now with Greg Harbaugh Jr., who was a a positional coach as well those days. So there might be some more continuity there, but I I think he's going to miss Scirocco on the play calls Uh, they did last time, and it's a big loss. So I like the Minnesota under bet as well. Brian, is it fair to say that if you're the wide receivers coach for P.J. Fleck, that he has a lot of confidence in you? Because that was his position when he played. I, From what I understand, he coaches that position very hard as well. Is that in a lot of systems and a lot of schemes, the quarterback coach is kind of the natural progression quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. Or you're the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator. Am I, is that a bad assumption there that the wide receiver being the wide receiver coach means a little bit more under PJ Fleck or is that correct? Uh, no, I, I think that's correct. I also think he, he likes this guy, Matt Simon. He played at Northern Illinois, which is where PJ played. He's been coaching on his staffs for uh, since 2014. Um, so they've, they've been together for a really long time. And yeah, so I think he, he has taken a liking to him. And also, I mean, they, he recruited Corey Davis, who has the most yards ever. And they were, they just happened to be the best offer available for Corey Davis at the time, developed him. So uh, yeah, I mean, he has a track record of success and he's only 37 years old as well. They sort of share a lot in common, right? Like young up and comers. And so, um, I kind of been thinking that Matt Simon would get an opportunity like this for a while. And so excited to see what he can do. I just think first year uh, with, with his hands on the, on the controls could be a little rocky, Ben. It's a great deeper dive than I took on Minnesota. So thank you for adding that extra insight to just make me look smarter. Well, let's get into some of the bigger odds bets here. A lot of these were minus 110, plus 110, you know, kind of your standard odds. Let's try to hit some big fish here, guys, and move on to our division and conference title best bet. I'm going to kick us off here. And there's a bet that I just saw yesterday that I put on here as my best bet. I love it. It's LSU to beat UGA in the SEC championship game at plus 900. So LSU has to beat Georgia. They can't beat Kentucky in the SEC championship game and and win this bet. It has to be LSU over Georgia. But the way I look at this one, LSU's odds to win the, the SEC championship, I believe it's something like plus 470. I view Georgia as essentially a lock to win the SEC East. I think if you're making that bet on LSU to win the SEC, you're kind of assuming already they beat Georgia. So I say, why not just grab those plus 900 odds? If you if you believe in LSU at all, if you want to bet LSU plus 470, 
just take that plus 900 and bet LSU to beat Georgia guys. It's basically doubling it, which is amazing. Because, yeah, who else? It's funny that you picked Kentucky. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's Tennessee has no shot, in my opinion. Georgia's going to ram Rod through that whole division. Yeah, I like it. That's a way to find juice. That's that's part of the name of the game, right? It's it's exactly the right thought process. Georgia is going to go to the SEC championship game. I think that that's pretty pretty much a shoe. Like that would be the most shocking outcome in college football this year if they don't make the conference championship game. So it's a, it's definitely worth it. That's a great call. And as far as reasons why I actually think LSU could win that game is because I'm not 100% sold yet that Georgia can exploit what is LSU's biggest weakness, the back end of their defense. I got to see Georgia be able to throw the ball deep this year, to throw the ball effectively. I know, Brian, you're a big believer in Carson Beck. I know they have Brock Bowers, but when I just look at LSU's weakness, which is that back end of the defense, and I look at their biggest competition in the SEC, Georgia and Alabama, I feel like that's where Georgia and Alabama have their question marks, and that's why I feel like LSU has a real legitimate shot to win the SEC because their weakness matches up. I don't think the top teams can take advantage of their weakness like they might have been able to do in years past, especially at, at Alabama. I think it's reasonable. I think it makes a ton of sense. The more you read about LSU, you know, they kind of snuck up on you in year one under Brian Kelly, but this year they they just, their roster looks complete. So I I think it's a really solid bet for me. I'm looking at one I talked about when we, when we were talking about the big 12 and and what I was trying to go for here was what is a conference that I think that the top is susceptible. And we talked about this, right? Texas is being talked about as this overwhelming favorite in the big 12. And while I, it, it takes some time for me to find a team where I was like, I would like to volunteer this team as a team that could potentially do it. The first thought when I look at the big 12 is why should I believe that Texas is such the favorite? So that was what I was trying to do in terms of finding value is okay. If I think the big 12 is more open than most people are acting like it is, then why not a team like Baylor? So I'm going Baylor 19 to one to win the big 12 championship game. This is kind of a a historical look at it, but in those years where the top of the big 12 has been sort of mucky, they always seem to be a team that rises towards the top. It's not unlike Pitt kind of backdooring their way into the ACC championship game in similar years where it's like, okay, does anybody want to want to win the coastal? So with Baylor, it's, you know, it's not just that, but it's, you know, I feel like everywhere you look on their roster, there's guys with experience at important positions. Blake Shapin has more experience at QB. I think he'll be improved. I haven't loved him in years past, but I do think with another year under his belt, um, he'll be good. A couple good backs in the backfield. Um, they also avoid Oklahoma. They have Texas at home. Utah early is obviously a non-con, but I like it as like a test to see where you're at. Um, they come to Waco. What an interesting matchup that you don't, you wouldn't really think much about. And then, you know, as far as depth, this is a joke as much as anything, but Baylor released their week one depth chart. They have 29 uses of the word or on their depth chart. That is depth that can win a conference. Give me Baylor at 19 to one to win the big 12. Shout out Dave Aranda. I think that one comes down to two things, Brian. I think it's can Blake Shapin cut down on the turnovers? That's number one. And two, can that defense get back to where it was 
two years ago when they won the Big 12 in that epic title game over Oklahoma State. I thought that defense really took a step back last year. I felt like, and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but my the way I remember last season for Baylor was they had a lot of trouble creating havoc. They had a lot of trouble getting after the quarterback and creating negative plays on defense. I think those are the two things it's going to come down to, but if there's anybody you trust to get a defense back on track, it's Dave Aranda. And at 19 to one, I mean, those are juicy odds. Like I've been looking at it and trying to figure out who can I take in the big 12 and there's nobody obvious, but I would be shocked, shocked, shocked if it really is Texas and Kansas state or Texas and Oklahoma in the big 12 championship game. I feel like those are the consensus top three. And I think it would be pretty shocking if, two of those three are in the big 12 championship game. Exactly. And, and so you're just kind of like throwing a dart and hoping you hit the right one, right? It's like, I believe, like you said, that a team that's not in say the top four betting favorites to win the big 12 is going to be in the big 12 championship game. Like it just feels like one of those years for the conference. So, so give me the bears. I like the odds. It's old, old, old is good. Um, yeah, and for my best, I'm going to talk about the team that's going to beat Baylor, as you mentioned, in week two, and that's going to be the Utah Utes. Um, I know, you know, we all have varying opinions on the Pac-12 and who's going to win, but I have seen plus 550 and plus 600 uh, for Utah to win the Pac-12, and I'm just really banking on, you know, what Kyle Willingham has there and, you know, Cam Rising getting healthy enough to come back and produce. And I really got entrenched more that this is the right pick when I saw USC not even be able to win by 17 points in the first half and not look as dominant as I expected them to against San Jose State. Um, but, yeah, I'm just really believing 3 Pete. I mean, they didn't really lose much from the last couple of years and – they just bring more and more experience. And, you know, I love the mountain of a man, Simone Peppa in the middle of that defensive line. So I'm excited for, you know, Utah to go out and just punch everyone in the mouth. And, you know, they're kind of been a afterthought this offseason. Um, I know a lot of other people have picked USC, Washington, Oregon. And I think they are fourth on that list as far as odds to win the conference. So, uh I see Stephen rolling his eyes at me, and I know people do talk about Utah, but not as much as they should because they are the best team in the Pac-12. Does it concern you at all that now four days before their opening game, Cam Rising and Kyle Whittingham will not say whether he's cleared or not for this game on Thursday? Yeah, Kyle says he'll wait until 10 minutes before kickoff to say whether he's cleared or not. It just can't, it doesn't make me feel good about his status, what he's going to be able to do early in the season. And I get it. I know that first game's not a Pac 12 game. I would almost, if I was going to play this one, I would almost wait a couple weeks because I think they're going to lose. I actually think they'll beat Florida, but I think they'll lose on the road to Baylor. And I might wait to play it until after they lose that game if I was going to play it. I'm not because there's teams. There are teams that I like in this league a lot better than Utah, but if you if you are so inclined to bet Utah, maybe wait out a couple weeks because I think if they drop one of those games, the odds are going to go way up, and we've seen in the past Utah get off to a bad September start, rebound, and win the league. So that might be the way I would play it, Ben. Yeah, I mean, that's smart. Um, didn't even think about doing it that way, but yeah, that's really good because they probably will lose one of those games, I imagine, in that September stretch. Um but I would like to hope they don't. But Brian, what you got? 
Yeah, no, it's just that's such a great call out. That's that's like pretty classic recent Utah is to lose a game that you maybe don't expect them to. And then all of a sudden you look up in November and they're right there for the Pac-12 title. So that's a great call out. Ben, what else do you got? Anything else in terms that you like, but is not necessarily your best bet for a conference or division title? Yeah, it's going to kind of go off of what I just mentioned with the over under is Iowa. They're like plus 260 to win the Big Ten West. Um, I just don't think anyone in that league, aside from Wisconsin, poses a threat to them. So at plus 260, I think that they can win enough games and I think Wisconsin will be good, but uh, still, you know, I don't know how much success they will have in the first year. Um, so I'm just betting that, you know, Iowa will overcome. I think it's going to be close, but I do think that Iowa edges out Wisconsin to win the big 10 West. Yeah. If you think they're going to be 10 and two, that's a pretty good bet for you. (laughs) Yeah. No other favorites for me, Steven, you got anything else? A couple real quick ones here. Memphis plus 800 to win the AAC. I've seen a lot of talk about SMU, SMU, something like plus 300, I believe to win the league. I don't see these two teams as, as substantially different. I think they're both going to be heavy on offense, light on defense. I like Memphis's schedule, taking a bit of a shot on them at eight to one to win the AAC Washington, the win, the win, the pack 12 at plus 375 is my other bet and I'll elaborate them in just a minute and you know what why don't I just do it right now as we jump into our college ball playoff and national title bets because my best bet for that is Washington at plus 650 to make the college football playoff I truly believe that this year we're going to see a Pac-12 team in the college ball playoff I think these teams are starting at a high enough level and there's enough conversation and hype around these teams that they're going to get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. I love what Kalen DeBoer has done at Washington. I love Michael Penix. He's got that huge arm. They have a great receiving core. It's really Ohio State in a class by itself and then Florida State and Washington, I think, kind of together as far as the best receiving cores in the nation. They did lose their starting running back in fall practice, but I I don't see that as a huge detriment to them. And then the kicker here is... I think they have the best chance of of those top four teams in the Pac-12, USC, Oregon, Utah, and of course themselves, Washington, to really take a big step up on defense. I think they have the most defensive talent, and I, I think they have the potential to actually take that step up. Give me Washington plus 650 to make the college ball playoff, Brian. Wow, a perfect segue to mine. Uh, this is going to be an honorable pick here. I'm not going to change it because you're talking about potential improvement on defense, and I picked a team who has already shown that they have not improved on defense, guys. Uh, yes, I did have the Trojans here. I had them at 16 to one. I'm not going to like obviously defend it after that. It is 20 to one now. So obviously, I wrote 16 to one before the game. They went down to 20 to one. The one thing I'll still call out, I'll still call it out, is that if you think that there's a chance it happens, 20 to 1 might be the time to get it because their next four games, their next five games, Nevada at home, Stanford at home, at Arizona State, at Colorado versus Arizona, they're going to be 6 and 0. I, I, like, I really, really believe they're going to be 6 and 0. I know it's hard to say that after seeing their defensive performance, but I don't think those are the teams that are. Those are four of the worst teams in the Pac-12 they open with, right? Like, just straight up. Cupcakes. So then they have Notre Dame-Utah back-to-back in October. That's tough. Obviously, Washington, Oregon, UCLA to end the regular season is a 
a murderer's row to a certain extent. But if you believe that USC can do it, just from a gambling perspective, 20 to 1 right now is the time to do it because this team is going to win their next few games. And if any of the teams above them slip up, you'll start to see the odds move. Um, So listen, do I feel confident in picking USC to win national title after what I saw this weekend? No. Do I think that there's value in betting it right now if you think that maybe they could still make the playoff? Absolutely. And I'm not going to take any more of our sweet listeners' valuable time defending this pick. Uh, so onward. Yeah, that's right. I'm not going to agree with it. But uh, I do, you know, respect your logic of how to bet it now. And that, you know, if you do believe in them, you should do it now. So I tip my hat on that. There's just no reason to do it, Ben. Yeah. So uh, so what I got entrenched in, and obviously this is my reaction betting of, you know, the weekend week zero breadbasket is Notre Dame to make the college football playoff uh, plus 750 right now. And, you know, I know no one sold on them and they lost some really bad games last year and ones that they should have lost or won at home to Stanford, who was pretty bad. But one of those games that they almost lost last year that they probably should have lost was against Navy. And Navy just thrashed them last year on defense and just they could not stop the triple option. And then, you know, they went over across the pond, went to Dublin. By the way, had the greenest grass I've ever seen of any football field. It was glorious. Um, and they just stopped them. And then Navy couldn't stop, you know, Sam Hartman in the running game. So, obviously, not the biggest test for Notre Dame. But, you know, I do believe Marcus Freeman is a great coach. They do have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. And they have the schedule where if they win 11 games and someone else mucks up, you know, Pac-12 kind of does a little cannibalism. Big 12, not scared of anyone really coming out of there to sneak a bid. But, you know, if they go 11-1 and they beat an Ohio State or they beat a Clemson, some of those other teams that are vying for a college football playoff spot, I could see them get in. You know, how many times has Notre Dame snuck into this playoff, much to the chagrin of everyone else in the sport? And I could just see it happening again this year. That's just That's just me. If they go 11 and 1, they're going to have earned it because they have Ohio State, Clemson and USC on the schedule and they have a ridiculous sandwich game where they have pit between that USC and Clemson game. They they're going to have earned it if they go 11 and 1, Ben. I my, here's my thing on this. If you didn't like it before week 0, you shouldn't like it now because they did what they should have done and it was impressive and Sam Hartman looked very good and I'm not taking anything away from them. However, my takeaway from that game is Navy might be very, very, very bad. I mean, they didn't look like they could stop anything on defense. I think Notre Dame didn't, they scored on every possession in the first half. They scored, a, not not scored, scored a touchdown on every possession in the first half. They gained 100% of the yards available to them in the first half. I mean, I, I'm very weary of Navy going forward, and I, they're in a year one, right? They, they have a new coach in Brian Newberry, and I did misspeak on our preview episode. I said he came from Kennesaw State. He did not. He was at Kennesaw State previously, but he was their defensive coordinator last year, and he stepped into the head role. He brought... Uh, Kennesaw State's offensive coordinator, Chestnut, over. And, you know, they're running some variation. Kennesaw runs some variation of the of the triple, not exactly the triple that Navy was always running, but they only threw the ball a couple times. Um, I just don't know. Mm, I just think Navy's going to be in 
for a very tough year. I think that game said maybe a little bit more about Navy than it said about Notre Dame. Kudos to Notre Dame for for getting the job done. Uh, but I they have a huge game in Week Three against NC State. I can't. I'm really excited for that NC State Notre Dame game because I think that'll be the next next game to really watch for for the Irish. Really, the first game to watch. We were kind of forced to watch that one because it was the the only thing on TV. And now we're gonna take a, make a little too much out of it, <laughs> like like Ben's doing right here. Ben, you got one more. What is it? Uh, you know, fall in line with everyone else making Pac-12 picks. Uh, I will also go with Utah. You know, obviously we do think finally the Pac-12 has to break through. Obviously, I think Utah is going to be the guy or the team to do it. So since I have them winning the Pac-12, we all think someone's going to make it from the Pac-12. Hand in hand goes with plus, you know, basically 10 to 1 odds for Utah to do it. I think those are really good odds. You know, some of the other teams above them, I think, are worse than them. I want to say Oklahoma's higher than they are. Um, Still don't trust that train. So, um, you know, there's just a trend here. I tend to really double down on things that I like. And it's really burned me in the past. But it's also, you know, I've done the same thing before and it's helped me. You know, that's why my gambling is a lot of highs and a lot of big lows. Are you not scared at all of those two non-conference games, Florida and Baylor? Uh, I'm not scared of Florida because it's at home, and I do think even without Cam Rising, they can win that game. I do think Baylor will be tough, but I'm hoping that Cam Rising will be mostly normal at that point, and I think they're just a better team than Baylor. I know you guys are pretty, you know, you like Baylor Bears, but uh, I think talent will overcome. But Utah on the road is very different from Utah at home, to your point. I, I That just seems like a classic Utah loss. Noon at Baylor, it's going to be, I think this weekend in Oklahoma, it's going to be 105 degrees. And I'm sure in Texas, it's going to be around that as well. So, you know, 10 days from now, 13 days from now in Texas, is probably going to be 95, 100 degrees. Baylor's coming in at noon they're coming off a game against Florida. I don't I I just hate that spot for Utah and I think that loss takes them out of the national title picture, college ball playoff picture because there there's no way they're going to run the table in the Pac-12. So, I I'm I'm against you here, Ben. I I like Utah. I respect everything they've done as a program. I like Kyle Whittingham, but it just seems like the the wrong time to be going in on Utah. Yeah, that's what everyone's saying these days, but I'm going in that direction. All right, Ben, let's uh, go back to you for our last category here, our player prop bet. Give me your best player prop bet of the 2023 season. All right, so flip-flop on this a little bit. So my best one is something that... Cam rising to win the Heisman. No, because, you know, he may not play 12 games. Uh, Cam rising to play week two. Where's that as a bet? Um, I'm going 50 to 1. Blake Corum to win the Heisman. couple reasons on this. I think Michigan, obviously, you know, you have to be a good team typically to win the Heisman. Michigan's a very good team. Blake Corum is ridiculous. And, you know, he didn't even play against Ohio State last year. And I think he still finished seventh or I think it was seventh in the Heisman voting last year. And with how easy the schedule is at the beginning of the year, that just kind of gives him more time to ramp up and put up some ridiculous numbers against that soft schedule. And the fact that Harbaugh is not going to be there for three games, you know, this has made just me my own kind of crazy thoughts, but I'm kind of thinking, hey, what are you going to do? You're going to lean on your great running backs. There's two of them. So just 
just lean on Blake Gorm. They're going to have the lead and don't do anything dumb, win the games and run the ball a lot and get a lot of yards. So I think he has a monster year this year. And at 50 to 1, obviously it's a quarterback award as it's you know done in the past. But running backs, they do tend to win it from time to time. Uh, so I'm going with the big high of 50 to 1 on FanDuel. Give me Blake Gorm to win the Heisman. I like the 50 to 1 aspect of it because I got it a couple months ago at 30 to 1. So I, I like that a lot. It's not good for, for my bet, but it's great for you, Ben. I wonder how much, uh, and I, you know, I haven't been up on where they're going to come down on distribution, but I wonder if that has something to do with why it moves so much because Donovan Edwards is really good. That's a five star guy that could have gone anywhere. And obviously, you eventually generally settle on one kind of bell cow guy, but. This guy was the MVP of the Big Ten championship game, right? Like, he's he's the real deal. He lit up Ohio State when they beat Ohio State. He had, you know, more than 20 carries, obviously, with, with Corm going down in those games. And I almost think it's one of those things where Michigan's hand might be forced a little bit to involve Edwards more than they might have otherwise done it because he's shown himself to be this weapon. And that's not a knock on Blake Corman. I'm not saying he can't be the best running back in the country because I think he can. I think he was last year. Um, it's just a wrinkle to it, right? And then maybe that's why it's 51. I think you're right. There's value there. That that scares me a bit that he could lose at least some fraction of his touches at his own position. Yeah. Hey, Reggie Bush and Lendo White did it. And uh, Reggie's still on the Heisman. Mm, that's, in, that's in question. <laughs> yeah. The, did he? Uh, the Heisman, <laughs> the Heisman <laughs> trophy would tell you that he, he actually did not. That it never happened. <laughs> we were all there. We all saw it. He did. No, that, that's that is a good point, Ben. On that, I don't know. I feel like it's better for Michigan's national title chances if they do have a bit of a more even distribution. They don't need to run Blake Corum into the ground against ECU early in the season, or even against our alma mater, Maryland. They need to really. Michigan has a three-game. Eh, four, it's a let's call it a four game schedule. They have the Penn state game. They have the Michigan game. I don't even count the big 10 championship game as one of those games, because if you look at the last two years, they've steamrolled that one and then potentially two college ball playoff games. I, I think they would be better served to just split those carries more evenly between the two, keep them both fresh and, and ready to go when it matters most. Interestingly enough, uh, Quorum had almost 1500 yards last season. I think it was like 1460 and if you look at the the props right now on FanDuel, it's a it's over under 1,100 rushing yards for him. I believe that's just regular season rushing yards. And basically, he did that in 11 games because he barely played that Ohio State game. Uh, I think that's some indication that there there's going to be a, a, a bit more of a timeshare than there was for most of the season last year. So I think that's a, a good point by you there, Brian. Uh, for my best bet here i am gonna go with marvin harrison jr here and i got him at 30 to 1 yesterday that's on fanduel but the odds are varying wildly on some of the other books it's as low as 18 to 1 so if you are gonna play marvin harrison jr play him at 30 to 1 on fanduel and the reason i'm going with him is because he, he is highly regarded as widely regarded as the best wide receiver in the country. He has the brand name, right? Everybody knows his dad from playing years and years and years in the NFL. He has all the hype coming into the season. And it's the rare instance where the wide receiver 
actually overshadows the quarterbacks on his team. So we still don't know who the quarterback is going to be. It could be Devin Brown. It could be Kyle McCord. But he is a bigger name than both those guys. I I would not have bet Marvin Harrison over C.J. Stroud because C.J. Stroud had that name value, and that matters when you're talking about the Heisman. But Kyle McCord and Devin Brown don't, and it seems like they're both going to play in week one. McCord's 28-1. to Brown's 33-1 to right now. There is no way that Kyle McCord should be have better odds to win the Heisman than Marvin Harrison. There is definitely no way Devin Brown should be 33 to 1 and Marvin Harrison's 30 to 1. I got Devin Brown at 80 to 1 2 months ago just because I knew there was still a quarterback competition going on. Uh, so I really like the situation. I think all the the stage is set for a wide receiver to win it here because of that that name recognition, the unbelievable stats that he put up, and the fact that he does have a new starting quarterback that has absolutely no name value at all. I think he's gonna he, he is gonna be as high as the number two pick in the draft this year. He's a great player, and I think at thirty to one, it, it's a value bet. I'm not expecting him to win it because of how hard it is for a wide receiver to win the award, but I'm I'm betting him at 30 to one all day, every day. He's like two to one to win the Bolitnikov. I like it. I like it. I do. Cause I feel like even starting at the end of last season, there was like, and maybe it was just clickbaity stuff, but it was like, you know, he was being mentioned in way too early Heisman look ahead conversations, which to me, if you're not a quarterback, that is an important part of it, right? Just weasel your way into the conversation. And then if you kind of put up the numbers, you'll kind of force your hand in staying in the conversation. Brian, so I, like- I have a very I have a very hard time with this because of how ingrained in the college ball world I am. But I bet if you ask somebody who mostly watches the NFL and maybe just tunes into like the national championship game a couple Saturdays here and there, I would think Marvin Harrison Jr. would be one of the five players they can name in college football. What do you think? I think that's I think so. I think so. Especially if they're more of like your classic NFL fan, because someone our age definitely knows who Marvin Harrison is and would know who that is, too. Yeah. And I think as dumb as it is, it matters when you're looking at the Heisman and and the voting and and certainly when you're betting it, you kind of have to take that human element into account because the Heisman is it's a it's an interesting award and you got to take that human element into account there. I think that's fair. And it's a great segue into someone with no recognition uh, as far as name goes as my best player bet. So, but I'll tell you why that my best player bet is Carson Beck 22 to one to win the Heisman. It isn't because I've watched some deep cut tape that I think he's so much better than uh, anybody realizes that he is. It's not that I have read the reports that, you know, I mean, Kirby smart speaks very highly of him. And while obviously there's a, a, coach speak language you kind of have to lean into he's from the Saban coaching tree and Saban won't commit to a quarterback or put out a depth chart at all this week so I do think he feels at least some level of confidence about the guy that he's going to put under center for me this is a worthwhile bet for kind of a simple reason and and maybe I'm underthinking this but this is a team trying to win their third straight championship they have not had anyone in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony the last two years as a two-time defending champion they are going to be the story of college football as long as they remain undefeated in this quest for a third national championship and I think we've everybody's talking about the fact that the schedule sets up that way that that they really should go into the SEC championship game at least with a chance for that third straight championship. So I think if if Carson Beck puts up anything resembling very good numbers, he's going to, 
as to use a term I used a minute ago, weasel his way into the conversation and sort of be that representative for Georgia by default. Now, could it be Brock Bowers? Sure. They're like, I think he has more name recognition right now. I just kind of expect maybe there to be a little bit of love spread out to a certain extent. Um, you know, Branson Robinson out for the year. Uh, maybe that does mean they, they're slinging it around the yard a little bit more after losing uh, maybe your projected starter running back. So I just think there's value there in the starting quarterback of the two to one national championship betting favorite uh, on a Heisman trophy. And so that's where, that's why I'm leaning that way. Did anybody consider at all uh, Jaden Daniels as a Heisman Trophy winner? Thought about it. Why? Why no? What's the number? I just didn't pick it as you know. I'm not as into betting the Heisman as uh you know maybe you guys are. I know one of our friends is super into it. I just think it's not my favorite thing to bet. I'd rather bet on one that's like a little bit more like a. Bigger odds like the Marvin Harrison Juniors of the world, the Blake Corms of the world, and picking a quarterback. I could see him winning it, but I just not enough. For what is he? Ten to one, ten to one, eleven to one. Yeah, something Could happen. There. Sure, see it. I, I I asked that question, Brian, because as you talked about Carson Beck, I was just thinking about Jaden Daniels potentially being the best quarterback on potentially the best team in the SEC and everything that comes along with that. And in that and at that 10 to 1, 11 to 1 number, he is only behind Caleb Williams. It's not like he's, you know, a lot of people are betting on him, but it, it's one that I looked at and thought about, but just didn't love, love the number there. Ben, you can get Sam Hartman at 16 to 1. You like that? Uh, Notre Dame is not going to throw the ball enough for that to happen. I mean, if Brady Quinn can't win it, no one's going to win at Notre Dame. In route to their playoff appearance, they're not going to throw the ball that much. Yeah. I mean, not enough to okay. win the Heisman. Okay. With all the other numbers, that a Caleb Williams, a Drake May, and a Jaden Daniels. I think that if Notre Dame... I think that if Notre Dame makes the playoff, Sam Hartman is definitely going to be in the Heisman conversation. Yeah, probably. Like, without a doubt. Yeah, it's going to be in the conversation. <laughs> like those, two, those, those two things can't happen... Without each other, conversation. See, I, th- and that's, I think are that's two fair. different I think so. things in my mind. Got it. Well, and when we had, I had Kyle Kelly on to preview the Notre Dame season. Uh, he's a Notre Dame reporter for uh, works for On Three Sports and Notre Dame's affiliate at On Three Sports, and uh, that was what he said. He said, "I asked him what needs to happen for Notre Dame to make the college football playoff," and he said. Sam Hartman needs to be a Heisman contender. And so I think that's spot on, Brian. And I think that if you do believe in Notre Dame to some extent, you do believe in them making the cultural playoff, it, it's not a stretch to think that Sam Hartman's in New York. I think the, the two go hand in hand. So I'm, I'm with you there, Brian. Were there any other bets, guys, when it comes to the Heisman that uh, you want to call out here? Ben? Nothing. I mean, I like Jordan Travis, too. Um, just, you know, if F... SU has that big year that everyone's projecting. He's really stinking good. And if they go out and they, you know, win the ACC, he's in the conversation as well. So I do like him, um, you know, there's a little bit better odds than some of the top dogs, but I like him kind of taking that leap this year and getting to, I think it's 16 to one right now. So that would be my other one. If I was going to plop one down on you. Now, did you look at Florida State? If you're talking about that one, did you look at Florida State to make the playoff at all? Do you know what those odds are? Because, again, I think that's one that's highly correlated. If Florida State is a playoff contending team, Jordan Travis will be in New York. If not, 
Maybe not. It's there. I want to say they're about the same as Notre Dame or so. They're in that six, 700 range. They're above Utah. I know that. It's, it's, it's actually, it's plus 380 on FanDuel right now. So that people are high betting up Florida State. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They believe in the Knowles. All of my other Heisman bets that I put in have honestly, they've moved a lot. So I don't really want to give them out because it's, you can't get them at these numbers anymore. So it's not even really worth talking about. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, I try to give everybody bets that you can actually bet right now. It doesn't do you any good for me to say I got Devin Brown at 80 to one two months ago because you can't get it yourself right now. So um, that that's kind of it for me. I guess oh, the only other one I had was Michael Penix that you can still get at 16 to one. We talked a lot about Washington already, why I like them. I love the receiving core. I love the offense. They're going to put the ball up a ton. And same logic there. If if they are a college ball playoff contender, if they win the Pac-12, Michael Penix will be right there in New York because he puts up highlight real numbers and he puts up highlights. I can still remember that one throw he made last season that was from the the right hash mark all the way to the other to the field side and it was way down the field it was just an absolute bomb and that's what Michael Penix can do and you need those moments when you're going for the Heisman Trophy so guys those are all of our best preseason bets we will certainly see how we do. I, I'm curious to track this throughout the season. I would love to hit one of these Heisman ones because a 30 to one, a 50 to one, a 22 to one, we get one of those. That's going to be a pretty good day. We uh, we should all do something together to celebrate that. Drinks on the, the on the winner, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know what, why the Boston accent uh, applied there, but but it sure oh. did. <laughs> in Ben's mind. But with that, guys, uh, that's our episode for today. Did want to do a little bit of housekeeping here. So today kind of marks the end of of an era we had over this summer. Uh, This will be the last episode where we have all three of us, Ben, Brian, and I together. There's going to be some changes coming to this show soon. Uh, Like it's been for much of its existence, it's going to go back to me by myself. I am going to be doing preview episodes throughout the football season. I'll have those in your feed before before your commute on Thursday, let's call it every week. And then we'll be re- then I'll be recapping games and getting some real early looks at the lines for the week ahead. I've always been a big proponent of the best time to fire for the following week is Sunday night when those lines are fresh and they haven't had a chance to sharpen up at all. That's where you can get a ton of value and that's where I've had a lot of success over the years. So I want to share my strategy and and what I'm thinking with you all as soon as those lines come out or at least as soon as possible on on Sunday evening. So that'll be in your feed before your Monday morning commute. And then once basketball season gets started or once we get into basketball preview season, we'll have a third episode coming out each week. So previewing, doing some previews ahead of basketball season so you can hit the ground running and gambling on college basketball. But before we get into all that, Ben, Brian, just want to say thanks for everything you guys have done this summer, uh, going through the conference previews together. It's It's been an absolute blast, and you know I, I'm sure if you guys are hitting some bets this season and and I'm not, I, I'm sure you'll be the first to let me know, whether it's on, on Twitter, whether it's uh, maybe a voicemail to the show. I wouldn't, wouldn't hate that at all. You guys always welcome any time to 
to call, leave a voicemail. I you you get a one priority, and it'll definitely get played on the air. I can guarantee you, if Ben, if Utah wins <laughs> anything this season, oh, yeah. uh, Ben will not only be leaving a voicemail, but he will be demanding to come on the show as a guest. But guys, thank you for everything you've done. It's it's been a blast this summer. And Brian, over the last year, you know, breaking down games, previewing games has been been a ton of fun. Yes, sir. It's going to be great. Can't wait to be a listener full time. Yeah, it's Benny? been a pleasure being on the show, and uh, time will tell who's the better better. So, yeah, yeah I believe you're going to hear about it. Or I'll be very quiet if all my bets go downhill. Well, that's our show for today. I'm excited for all the, the changes that we have coming up here on Tailgate. So, May, you'll hear about them all very, very soon. But the one thing that won't change is we'll be breaking down games, we'll be picking games, and we'll be recapping games all college football season long. That's our show for today. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.